Hello, Annie Trenders. Welcome to the Girl Taku, hosted by the Ladies of Anime Trending. We are back with another fun topic on the table. My name is Gracie, and I am joined by. Hello, I'm Isabel, and this is Agnes. So, without further ado, the Girl Taku today will be about mental health and anime. Specifically, anime that we think have had good portrayals of mental health,、um, which we will be covering mental health of all types, which includes but not limited to、uh, eating disorders, you know, depression, anxiety,、uh, PTSD, et cetera, et cetera, because there is quite a list out there. And、um, because we are covering a wide variety of different types of mental health in anime, hopefully we will all have different picks for our mental health anime today. So,、uh, starting us off today, I'm going to hand the baton to you, Agnes. What are two anime that you've seen that have caught your eye in its good portrayal of mental health? And, you know, what about it has caught your eye? Uh, I want to say the first portrayal of good mental health that I saw was in MMO Vajunkie. Oh, okay. I would say the protagonist,、uh, I think her name is Mori. Mori? That's what I remember、um, her name being. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Mori's life is very complicated, in which she left a very high corporate life, but she went into a very deep depression hole, in which all she just did all day was become a neat. And she did not go out to make friends. She did not go out to like interact with anymore with society. She was just so utterly burnt out that she just refused to leave her home. And the most that she would do is just kind of like hold herself up and play games. And as a result, she lost a lot of self confidence in herself. And when I say that it's a good depiction of Depression, I guess, is because it's not like crippling depression, but it's like a slow, gradual depression that you won't really see off of somebody like right off the bat, but you would notice in their maybe more obsessive behaviors in doing things by themselves and not wanting to interact with the rest of society, even though they know and you know that it's good for them. And MMO Junkie does this kind of like Portrayal of good mental health in a way that they help her、uh, move out of that stint, move out of that part of her life, and really embrace the idea of it's okay to go out, it's okay to meet new people, and it's okay to meet people, I guess, like friends online, which I think a lot of people in our generation can really attest to because many of us don't feel comfortable talking to people about、um, the worries of our work, the stress of our lives, and so. Going online is a way to de stress, really.、Mm-hmm. I also think this is like a good timing, too, because thanks to the pandemic, many, many people have been expressing feeling burnt out. In fact, even co workers at my own workplace have admitted to feeling really burnt out and sort of wanting to lie in bed and not do anything all day. And Not really having a rational way to explain why they feel burnt out, but you know, that's what burn, burnout is is sometimes you don't have a rational way, but you've just lost the energy and the motivation to go about、right. things. And it could exactly and it could be monotonous work, or it could be, or actually, almost I've heard actually, majority of the times it has to do with monotonous work and the corporate work that Mori herself has to go through. So, you mentioning the anime is like. Coincidentally, very good timing in regards to what the population <laughs> themselves have been going through for like 
more than a year now, right? <laughs> like we've been in this yeah, pandemic for more yeah. than a year. <laughs> it's been about a year and a half now. Oh, yeah. Gosh. Ah, oh, jeez. <laughs> I did not need to it's, know that timeline. <laughs> I mean, the Spanish flu has been around for even longer, so let's hope it doesn't go that far. <laughs> Do not jinx us, Agnes. <laughs> don't you dare. <laughs> I I don't jinx people. I just say let's hope that it doesn't get that far. Uh, but yeah, I. it's funny because when you first mentioned the anime, my first reaction was, you know, oh, this was the cute you know, romance anime between, like, two adults and stuff like that who were all nerds and they were friends online without knowing that they were friends online sort of situation. But the minute you mentioned, like, oh, remember how she went through burnout and she sort of just withdrew within herself inside her room and stuff like that, I think that's, that is going to be something that's, like, a lot of people are going to relate to. Yeah, yeah, because if you remember the first episode in MMO Junkie, she and even in the opening too, you'll see flashbacks of it. She had a bouquet of flowers that I presume was one of like her retirement gifts, and she literally takes it and chucks it into the trash. Like she throws it in exhaustion and out of utter like dismay for it. And then she all of a sudden decides to very impulsively within the first 10 minutes of episode one, buy every single piece of PC gear with all the money that she owns to upgrade it so that she can immerse herself into this online world and forget everything to the point that she like, she doesn't even like call family or at least the admin doesn't show that she calls like family or she interacts with most of the world. She's just so obsessed in wanting to get away with things and really depressed, honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And ultimately, it was showing how being on the internet and being a nerd on the internet isn't something to be shamed for, especially if it ends up helping your mental health in that case. And I do think a lot of people have turned to the internet to feel better. They do. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a big generational there's a big generation gap between let's say like the boomers and like the millennials in which a lot of the millennials actually found better communities online there's a lot of like reddit or twitter posts talking about how people bonded through like world of warcraft communities and how those communities that they've been in for 10 plus years has actually brought them out of depression or has actually stopped them from thinking about suicide. Wow, that's pretty like incredible, that. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's actually really incredible, yeah. So you think, like, we make a lot of jokes of how the internet can be a dangerous place. We talk about, like, catfishing. We talk a lot about, um, you know, creeps being on the internet, pedophiles. But there was a big saying back, I think, like, in the, the 1800s when the idea of these, like, a possible, like, way to, inter- like, interact with people on a global scale without like sending letters and stuff, they called it the global village and how it was going to be such a positive thing to connect so many people from so many different places and allow a much broader understanding of people. And I think that's what the internet really brought for a lot of these people is that global village that understands what you're going through and really does not try to judge you for it. Mm-hmm. I was about because you mentioned Reddit. I discovered recently that there's an entire Reddit thread or a Reddit topic that's dedicated to like call me and basically like if you desperately like need to talk to a stranger right now because you feel like you might hurt yourself or something like that, you can post on that thread and someone will will respond. And I actually like I was oh I became aware of that because of the fact that it was featured somewhere. Where a guy was like, you know, I like, you know, I tried the suicide hotline, but they weren't really helping me. And I I really feel like I will hurt myself unless someone talked to me or talked me out of it. 
and someone else had to respond like, here's my number. Call me right now sort of thing. And they gave an update like two hours later that was like, he did call me. I'm OK now. And he saved my life sort of thing. And I was like, that's really incredible, you know, for that. Yeah, because I wow. think like the I because I think like the idea of for many people who are going through that phase, the idea of having to call a suicide hotline makes them feel like they're under scrutiny. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, like, you know, paying money to go see a therapist is incredibly expensive in the US. Unfortunately, yeah. Not, mm-hmm. uh, not everybody has the privilege to go see a therapist or the means to go see a therapist. And in many other countries, as we all very well know, do not offer these types of services. So having just some random person on the internet knows zero anything about you, just call you up. There's no charge. There's no fee. There's no judgment. Really brings a big burden off of people's shoulders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's that and like anonymous part of it, which I think also yes. Um, yes. is an MMO junkie mm-hmm. because you know you're a character maybe in a game or something, and then other people don't really know who you are, so it feels more open. It feels weird that you don't really want to share your problems with your friends, close friends that actually know you, but you might want to share them with someone across the planet or someone that doesn't really know you, but they would be willing to you know help you with your situation or just talk you through it. So. Just that connection there. It's a little different, but for some reason, I feel that a lot of people online do search for it. Yeah. And I mean, like, MMO Junkie's a little bit more of a special case because it's very, it's playing a lot into the trope of, like, the the coincidental factor. You know, everyone's in the same area. You know, everyone is apparently friends with each other and in the same guild. Yes. (laughs) Convenient coincidences, right? But at the same time, it helps to know how, like, Sakurai knew basically everything about her in a previous game before. And so when they re-meet again in the the new MMO that they're playing, it's so much more clear how their chemistry clicks together and that they don't need to explain that much of their problems to each other because they already know. And in a way, I think that's a big burden of a relief off of Mori's shoulders that she doesn't have to re-explain herself. She doesn't have to explain her situation. So uh, in relation to MMO Junkie and our own lives, what about you ladies? Have you guys been feeling burnout from work? And have you guys been depending on these online communities like, you know, Maury has uh, been depending on her uh, video gaming online community to help you guys with that burnout? Oh, definitely. Well, this is not so much of me during the COVID pandemic because COVID is very much of a, uh, yes, I get to stay at home. This is great. <laughs> I'm very much a it. <laughs> Um, but I did go through a very dark phase when I was in college, a very depressive phase. And actually I was role, I was in a lot of role-playing communities at the time, mostly like action and stuff. So we would write out our characters doing like cool action moves, interacting with each other and stuff. And I think that mostly saved me for like two years of college. So every day I would just like log in and just talk to people because it was just like so much more relieving. And other people, of course, like have their own problems too, like stress from work, stress handling families and stuff. So we're all just here together to just laugh at memes or like send videos. And it's just really nice. That's really cool. Yeah. So I experienced a little bit of burnout, probably like even before the pandemic a little, because I was uh, doing this other uh, job that took too much of my time. I thought I would make friends out of it, but it became more monotonous mm. and it became more of my own thing. Mm. And I'm like, I'm sitting here thinking I was expecting to make friends from this, but there are no friends. There's just Aww. me. Uh, but that's okay. Anyway, one, uh, I met, I met one of, um, I met one person in, in Malaysia. She helped me like kind of, uh, grow a community or she had her own community. She just brought me into it and I speak with her 
every week or so, and she's super nice. So just having that one connection and then having her connect me with others made made it definitely better for me. And but yeah, I would say from the burnout and then trying to interact with them, just sharing you know stories or anything. We're still sharing short stories like every day. Oh, just that's so cute. Better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're working on stuff together is super fun. So oh yeah, but no, yeah. I totally agree with that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I like I basically threatened to uh, suffer burnout um, every few months with my day job, which is very, very monotonous. Um, but as so funnily enough, my online community is actually here with you guys at Anime Trending. <laughs> so um, it's always a relief for me. And I always feel a little better once I go back to work because I... Uh, especially the last few months, I've suffered a pretty extreme bout of burnout. Um, my extroversion level just finally started to run out of gas. And I was like, I desperately needed human contact that I just was not getting anymore. And so, and so the, but the anime training organization as a whole has essentially kept me going for a long time during this pandemic. I know for a fact, if I didn't have this group right here, that I probably would have broken down from the pandemic and the isolation a lot earlier than I than it took for me to finally start to feel the effects of it on me. So, yeah, very relevant to the times. Um, so that's your first one, Agnes. So what do you have for our second anime pick? I want to say the second anime that I was going to do is uh, Showa Genroku Rakugo. Oh, okay. Because oh, okay. Uh, Yakumo... If I remember correctly, he basically suffers from civilian PTSD. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, just because he always sees in his performance of the Shinigami, uh, Yotaro remarks like how he has like this chilling presence, like he knows how to deliver his lines. But a lot of it is due to the fact that Yakumo himself feels the presence of Sukeruko's ghost. Mm-hmm. He feels that Sukeruko mm-hmm. is continuously blaming him for his death and for the other female's death. And so as a result, it manifests into an actual ghost by season two that almost kills Yakumo. Actually, twice on occasion, actually. Mm-hmm. And the the whole journey of Yakumo trying to like shake off his past and trying to like live in the memory of Sukeruko, but also carry out his dream is a is a huge burden, and I would say definitely a sign of PTSD, especially survi- uh, surviving guilt. Yes, no, 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 I agree. It's funny because at first I was just thinking he has overall depression, which might honestly be true considering what he was like even when he was in his childhood. But uh, yeah. but specifically with your instances of constantly having flashbacks, of constantly seeing like images and ghosts of a person that was really close to him that he lost and having it haunt him, that is very much like PTSD-specific sort of events to happen. Yeah, it's bad, a uh, civilian PTSD. Thankfully, though, the anime somehow manages to not reconcile, but give Yakumo a bit of peace especially because of the community that he surrounds himself Mm -hmm. with yeah and a community that understands like the grief that he goes through and that the art that he's trying to perfect but also try to prevent him from not being so destructive with the art Mm -hmm. because in he specifically states that the art is going to die with him because that was the dream that he had with Sukeroko but Yotaro counters that and says, no, the dream is not to let the art die, it's to let it flourish. That's mm. what you guys want. But, you know, <laughs> Yotaro is so amazing. <laughs> 
Yotoro is like, you think like he's just some himbo out of the woodwork who doesn't know anything, but he is the only linchpin that keeps this whole group together. Mm. Without him, the art of Rakugo in the anime would have actually died. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I love the fact that you point out he, like, his PTSD is, it's very hard. It's very hard to watch. It's in a twisted yeah. way, beautiful to watch because of how well it lends itself to the story. Um, but it is very hard to watch. Um, but I love the fact you pointed out he has that community, not only with Konatsu's adoptive daughter, but with Yotaro especially, remember when they, like, I think he it was, it was an episode where he replayed, like, um, his old performances, and Yotaro was, like, on the edge of tears, but he was like, I want to see you perform like that again, like, when you actually loved the art rather than, like, wait, rather than just wait for the art to die with you, and I was like, oh, my God, that was such a good touching moment, but I think it's, like, it's a show of, like, how powerful a good support system helps with mental health as it well. It is, yeah. I feel like you guys, you know, hit on the good touching points, um, for that show, I also felt, yeah, I didn't think about it too much, but I agree in that, you know, with the flashbacks and being haunted, I feel like the animation also did a great, great job of representing it, representing mm. how it feels to him, kind of like, oh, like visual, you know, sort of thing. visual, yeah, yeah, mm. visually, like the grim, like the grim reaper coming for him or in a totally dark space with candles. It's a, uh, I feel like it's a great representation of what it actually feels like to him. Because that's not what the audience sees, right? The audience just sees him yes, performing yes, as one of the, you know, the best, uh, you know, Rakugo specialists there. So, and it's hard to see. So I feel like that's a good rep- representation of it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, in that case, uh, I'm going to move on to mine. Uh, but those are two really good anime. And see, this is exactly why I wanted to keep it broad, because I wanted to hear what you guys would pick and, you know, it, like you two, uh, like Agnes, at least you picked two that I it never occurred to me to even think about it. But you know, I definitely see it now. The two I picked, the first one I'll talk about is actually one that I was not at all expecting any sort of touching of the subject for mental health, but it did, um, which is ReZero. That was a very, very, very pleasant surprise for me, and you know, once again, was not something I had in mind because. Uh, Subaru, in a way, does suffer from, like, PTSD incidents because of, you know, what he goes through within the new world. But the part that I'm particularly focused on is when we actually figure out Subaru's past and specifically where he was mentally before he randomly found himself in a new world. And and specifically, it explains why he threw himself so hard into the idea of a hero's journey in the new world. And it was because he went from a kid who, you know, made other people laugh, who had a lot of friends and stuff like that, to suddenly being not funny anymore or like teenagers, the other teenage kids didn't think he was cool. He was cool or funny anymore. And then suddenly losing his friends and suddenly having a hard time blending in. And he essentially develops like very severe anxiety, um, social anxiety from that until one day it just boiled over in the morning. And when he put on his school clothes, the idea of having to interact with kids his age in that in like a classroom terrified him so much that he just threw himself under the covers of his bed and could not move and could not come out. And that is social anxiety at its worst. And the fact that 
the ReZero explicitly covers that within a particular arc for Subaru where we find out about his past was very, very surprising in the best ways because oftentimes Isekai, we know that the protagonists are quote-unquote losers or nerds and they didn't have any friends and they have these problems and stuff, but we never really get to see it or experience it or even bond with the main character over that. But by showing like just how acute of a social anxiety he had was, I think, very powerful on ReZero's uh, writing, uh, writing perspective. And it took it even a step further because after he gives up on going to school, he legitimately just doesn't go to school anymore. And his parents don't really know what to do. And so they do, but they're loving parents, so they do the best they could, which is just constantly support him and, you know, be kind to him and tell him that he's good and that they love him and all that stuff, which unfortunately sometimes, you know, uh, you know, it's funny because I just said it for uh, a show again, Roku, where it's like having a support system is monumental for your mental health. But sometimes having a support system is just isn't enough in this case, which was what happened with Subaru. And he failed to see how also his mental health was so overwhelming that he's hurt the people around him, namely his parents, because they're really stressed seeing him suffer so much and not having the knowledge to help him out on it. And so and it took like his vision and like being able to interact with his parents again, where he comes to this full circle understanding of like he obsessed himself over the idea of being a hero in the new world because he desperately wanted that fresh start where he wasn't scared of people his age within the classroom where he doesn't have anywhere to run because he's suddenly like not funny anymore to them and stuff like that. But then on top of that, um, you know, he's thinking about his parents that he's left behind. They they spent so long like doing everything they can to support him and hoping that maybe, you know, he will start to recover that he just disappeared out of nowhere and he realized how narrow his world has become because of how much his social anxiety has just completely overwhelmed him where he couldn't really see anything but himself anymore. And so it was just very poignantly well done. It was perfect for the character development and it was very multidimensional in its portrayal of this extreme social anxiety that he had that eventually landed him where he is currently in the anime that it came out of the left field in the best ways. And I like I could not rant about it enough. But I think this is why I love ReZero a lot, despite me being quite critical of the Sekai genre. Um, I don't know if you two watch it, but I th- like you two are aware like of this particular scene, right? Or I'm actually not too aware of that, uh, especially his backstory. Um, I expect at least the kind of like the PTSD from I know that he goes back in time, so repeating that process, I just kind of associate that with possibly like Stein's Gate, where the character also goes through the same type of thing, going back in the past. But it's interesting that he does have a backstory and that, you know, they go over that. I'm just curious, is there a reason why, you know, he all of a sudden he wasn't funny anymore? Does the anime go over that? Uh, I, I It doesn't really give... I, so here's the thing. I don't really think he stopped being funny. It's just that, you know, when kids grow up, they start changing their opinions on how they view things. And so his jokes didn't change. Like he was still pulling the same pranks and making the same jokes. It was just the people around him that once thought it was funny no longer thought it was funny anymore. And so 
And that really scared him. And he became really desperate and trying to like tap in. Well, what is funny now? Like, what is it funny? Like he got so overwhelmed with the idea of pleasing other people that he stopped. Like it, it's ironic because he was so overwhelmed by the idea of pleasing other people that he stopped thinking about himself, which developed into a severe mental health issue, a.k.a. social anxiety that made him only focus on himself and was unable to see other people. It's like this whole terrible cycle that circles around each other, you know? <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense that he was, yeah, he wasn't able to connect with them anymore. So he kind of questioned, like brought it back to himself and didn't want to interact with others. Okay. Yeah. And it just sort of went downhill from there for him. Yeah. Hmm. But yeah, so that is my first pick. I think I talked about this with you before, Agnes. Did I? Or <laughs> I saw a lot of it on social media, so I probably it was probably from your posts. Okay. To be honest, so I am very aware of the situation that he goes through. I just want to say that for people who are feeling insecure, especially like in between like your middle school and your college years, mm. I'm going to use the f bomb here. Don't give a flying fuck about what people think about you. You are <laughs> the way that you are. Go find new friends. That's the bottom line that I will say, because if your friend group doesn't think that you're funny anymore and you think you're being a nuisance, that means they're just being assholes. So you need to go find new friends. And I say this very, I, yeah, I say this very plainly because I've seen so many people like cripple under that pressure. And it's just like the, the idea of like, just go find new friends is like not a novel notion. It's kind of like, well, duh. Right. But at the same time, like I understand that it's hard to separate yourself from that you just need to learn to let go yeah no I think that's a great point for you to point out Agnes because the thing is people change people change as they grow older and you are a different person that you weren't before and you know like with Subaru it was the difference between him being in middle school and elementary school and yeah. just because your old group of friends no longer seem to see eye to eye with you doesn't mean that there are, aren't other people out there who absolutely would see eye to eye to you, you know? Right, and like, exactly. I absolutely bet Subaru had other classmates out there who would genuinely think he's funny. It's just that his old friends from elementary school no longer did. And so I think that was just such a good uh, statement for you to make, Agnes, for anyone who's listening who, yeah, might be in their teenager years, either middle school or high school. It's fine if your old friend group suddenly aren't clicking with you anymore. It just means that it's time for you to also meet new people who actually work better with you, the new you, as you grow older and as you change and become a better person. So, yeah. Um, so my second anime I picked is Wonder Egg Priority, which... I know we uh, have yes. our <laughs> we have our issues with how it ended, and I'm not going to talk about how it ended. What I do want to talk about, or specifically give it credit for, is um, is Rika and her story arc. Not only from the mental health that she suffers, um, she does self harm. As as a warning for anyone who is thinking, um, who might still be thinking about picking up Wonder Egg Priority, there are there is like a particular episode that shows the self harm too. So if it's triggering for you, I would suggest you to you know take a step back from it. But not only does Rika um, you know ex experience self harm because of the fact that she comes from a bad family situation, namely a mom who is absolutely not emotionally at a state to be a mom especially for a teenage girl but not only that but the friend that she is trying to revive died from an eating disorder and I have to be honest that was my first time seeing the mention of an eating disorder 
on an anime. Have you guys seen talks about eating disorders on anime before? Because that really was just my first time with Wonder Egg Priority. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't think I personally have seen it. Maybe I have, but it's not stated or maybe super minor, but I personally haven't either, I feel like. What about you, Agnes? I definitely have not seen one, but I have a sneaking suspicion I know the reason why it doesn't show up. Do you want to share it? (laughs) Like, it's your suspicion. (laughs) Uh, My hunch is because nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to talk about the eating disorder of a college girl who binge eats and then regurgitates all of it to keep herself skinny. Nobody wants to talk about the slightly more overweight um, teenager from down the street because it's going to give you a bad rep or it's going to give you a bad image. Um, Western culture is more open about talking about body image and body positivity and people who maybe eat more, but it's okay. But in Japan or other Asian countries, this is very kept under the radar. And it's a very uh, social taboo to be like over a certain weight or not looking model perfect. Mm. Which is probably the reason why it skims. It's not mentioned in manga because because nobody talks about it. Why is there a reason to even talk about it in manga? Why is there a reason to show it? Anyway, and and of course, you know, because it's not a positive looking image, no one's going to put it on a protagonist, to say the least. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, so that's, that's, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. I know body image is insanely, insanely high for, in standards in regards to Asian countries as a whole. I know South Korea, it's insane. I remember how the Miss South Korea who won had like a higher weight than normal and people were sending her hate messages and stuff. And like the saddest part about this whole thing was not only was it like the hate messages that she was getting, but like the hate messages people were sending like or talking about her parents and like to her, like she gave a really good interview about it where she was like, she feels strong in the fact that she knows she's beautiful and she's confident in herself. And so like when people send hate messages to her, she's able to brush it off and stuff. But the fact that it was hurting her father, who she loves to death and who like really, really supports her and wants her to be successful or as a, or as accomplished as possible when she knows that it hurts him, that's when it hurts her. And so it's like, it's like these standards don't even just affect the target, but the target's loved ones, you know, which that's just takes taking it to a whole other level. But with that being said, though, this is why I wanted to choose Wonder Egg Priority, because they did choose eating disorder as a big topic. In fact, central topic to one of the characters, because that's the friend that they are trying to revive. And I loved Rika's point of view where where you see the friend and it's like, yeah, she's chubby, you know, but it's it's like a cute chubby. It's she doesn't look ugly or anything of that sort. But when she dies because of that eating disorder, they cover her body to show like to basically show like maybe she's skinny now exactly the way that people expect girls to be skinny but it's uglier in the sense that it has taken someone's life and that Rika can't even look at it properly because that's not the girl that she remembers. And so I thought that was just, that that whole episode was, of course, very powerful. But the fact that Wonder Egg Priority really did nail of how devastating of a thing eating disorders are. And eating disorders, I think people sometimes mistake to be physical disorders, but it is actually very much mental health and something that 
girls, regardless of culture, struggle with every day. I just wanted to laud it, and that's why I thought it was necessary to point out Wonder Egg priority for this particular episode. Rika's a great character, too. I mean, most of the girls kind of blame themselves, you know, for their friends, but... Mm, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but in Rika's case in particular, I feel like she has a lot of, like, self-hatred and kind of, like, she feels guilty in herself for her friend, and when, she, when you first see the, her as a character, she's more kind of, like, outgoing and very straightforward, but she uses that as kind of like a barrier or shield from everyone else trying to figure out what she actually feels like in in the series as well. So I think, yeah, her and pretty much everyone else is a great character, just like, you know, showing how, what, what their mental states are and how they feel as well. Yes, yes, I agree. Also, Rika had a really important scene, Wonder Egg Priority, that I did find necessary to highlight, that I did highlight on our Girl Taku Twitter at one point. But uh, at one point when Rika and the girls were starting to heal from their own trauma because of finding other girls to bond with who understands their experiences and stuff, Rika makes the point where she was like, you know, I'm thinking about it. And I realized that, you know, those girls that, you know, we are chasing after that we want to revive made the choice to kill themselves. Like, you know, we're not actually at fault for in fact I probably have the most fault with mine because I had said some said something very cruel to her even though obviously it was not my intention to for her to develop an eating disorder from that but it's like for the rest of the three of you guys you guys really had little to do with the fact that they decided to commit suicide and she was like why should we risk our lives and throw our lives down the drain you know for people who have made that conscious choice and I, I that's it's an uncomfortable topic for obvious reasons, but this is something that professional therapists and psychologists actually say over and over and over again that, you know, as much as you wish that you could have done something different that might have prevented someone's uh, someone's death from taking their own lives, you cannot forget that they did make that conscious decision to do so, that they essentially murdered themselves. And unless you were grabbing their hand and leading the weapon to their own body, like you genuinely do not have that sort of responsibility to save their lives and like completely change the future sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And so for the fact that the anime even covered that was just an amazing thing. And I think something very rarely said because it's hard to hear. And sometimes you're kind of in denial. You don't really want to accept it, but it's the truth, you know? Absolutely, yeah. I definitely agree. It's it's a tough pill to swallow. But at the end of the day, we are our own human beings. We have our own lives and responsibility. And what we're living with is, again, survivor's guilt. Yes, exactly. And eventually, you'll have to learn to toe the line of what is acceptable for you to remember the past, but what is also acceptable to do to move on in the future. Like, maybe you can help out people who are thinking about suicide, you know, be part of a suicide hotline. That's a way that you could help, I guess, in like in remembrance of those that you couldn't help. But it shouldn't be something that you would actively sacrifice your life to revive somebody back because, like I always say, the dead stay dead. They don't come back. Exactly. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's my two pick of anime for mental health, um, you know, portrayals and why I think they do a really good job. And 
once again, uh, ReZero being the one that actually surprised me more than anything. But of course, Wonder Egg Priority, it has a plethora of things in there that was really well done. Just the eating disorder was one I wanted to point out because it was just so rarely seen in uh, Japanese media, if, if at all, you know, like we were discussing. So, mm-hmm. um, but what about you, Isabel? Which two anime have stood out to you in regards to mental health and their portrayals of it? Yeah, the first pick I have is uh, Your Lie in April. Um, I think that was a very obvious one for me, and specifically, obviously, for the main character, Kosei, who is a talented pianist as a young uh, child, and he pretty much played piano perfectly um, under his mother's guidance. But after his mother's death, you can see that in the first you know, few episodes that her, her death actually haunts him. Um, and while he's playing, he actually does not, he's not able to hear the pieces anymore. He might start off okay trying to play the piece. He plays perfectly like everyone remembers him as a talented, you know, young genius. But in the middle of the song, he kind of gets lost. And I also feel like the animation does a great job at depicting this, where he feels like he's stuck in under, underwater. He doesn't see the colors of like the notes anymore. And he can't even hear what he's playing anymore because he feels like he's underwater. All he hears is like notes that are monotone. He's trying to get it back, but he can't. And it's all mental, but I feel like, you know, it's a good representation of what he feels like. And the fact that, you know, his mom pushed him so hard that, you know, just her death just completely broke him. And he also feels guilt because of what he did, you know, before her death. So... Caroline April is kind of like him having that and then meeting, you know, uh, Kaori uh, and then his friends as well, trying to help him get through that so that he's able to, you know, play uh, piano back. I just like that in the show, you know, kind of tying it to music and then also his mental health issue that his friends don't really know about, in a sense. He never yeah, really he was kind of hiding all. it. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so he does a good job at hiding it for the most part. No one really knows about it. I feel like only Kaori feels uh, like he, she has that intuition that, you know, he's suffering from something, but she doesn't really even ask him, I feel like, either. She just kind of tries to brighten up his day and, you know, show him what music is like as well. Mm-hmm. I, I like you uh, pointing out the fact of, like, him underwater and being unable, unable to see the notes because uh, I don't think... I don't, or more like, I'm not sure why it is, but it's just so accurate when people are dealing with overwhelming grief to the point that it triggers depression, they always talk about the fact that they feel like they're drowning, you know, and it's consistent across, across victims who say that they feel like they're drowning, that they just can't get up, get out and breathe for air sort of thing. And so its usage of water to sort of portray that, I think, is not only powerful, but also a brilliant way of showing, you know, exactly what these people are always saying is, you know, they feel like they're drowning, they're falling, they just can't claw their way back up for that breath of air. So, yeah, it's really hard for them. And, uh, you know, it's nice that, you know, he has the support group and music to go along with, but... Yeah, in general, I just uh, I just feel like that show was really good at depicting that. I don't know what else added to that other than the music. I feel like the music was really good as well. But uh, Agnes, you you've seen the anime, right? 
I actually did not watch the anime for I knew that something oh, no. very sad happens at the <laughs> oh. end. So I was just like, I swore. It's like the same thing with Clanet. I swore myself to never watch it. But I basically know what everything happens. I, I've seen enough social media posts to piece <laughs> things together. At least watch it for the amazing no, 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 animation no, no, I won't of I, the I don't, I don't want to cry before a podcast, okay? <laughs> this is not part of my research. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, oh gosh Ling 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 like made an episode about like anime and their vi- uh, their animations for violin playing and uh, Your Line April is probably the only anime out there that animates actual violin playing with the fingers and the bow and everything it's actually insane, oh from so. um, the, the, the two guys from the two violins right yes yes the YouTube channel okay, okay. Yeah. you're like Ling Ling and I'm like who's Ling Ling <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay that makes sense <laughs> <laughs> they are amazing and I think you would actually love their videos, Agnes. <laughs> oh no, I've watched I've watched a handful of their stuff. They're pretty hilarious. I I like watching it because I know exactly what they go through. Even though I didn't play a piano, I was I played flute for several years oh, and I did certificate okay. of merit. So I know exactly what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. I didn't know you played flute. <laughs> I I play flute. Um Back when I started middle school, because my dad didn't like the sound of the violin. He thinks like he'll get his ear splitting headache uh, oh. in, within the first three weeks. So he didn't find that very comfortable. Mm. And uh, we were moving at the time. So there's no such thing as a piano um, from the apartment to the house that we lived in at the time. And he saw how my cousins were uh, suffering with piano instruction. So instead, he put me through the suffering of a flute. So <laughs> I understand. Of a flute. <laughs> so I understand everything that happens, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> Okay, well, back to your line, April. I uh, I agree with you, Isabel. I mean, that anime is incredibly powerful and an incredibly well-written anime. Um, but on top of the, the way that they blend in music with uh, with the main characters, ugh, I forgot his name again. Uh, why do I keep forgetting character names? Kosei, yeah. Kosei, okay. Kosei, the yeah. way they blended Kosei's uh, mental health issues with the music and stuff and the imagery and perfect example. I mean, we've been using, we've told a lot of these animes today, but a majority of the animes, or I, I would say like all the animes that we've talked about today have perfected or, okay, maybe not perfected, but they have reached a good level of show, not tell. And so, um, and in regards to your line, April, that is a perfect way of showing, but not telling precisely the sort of grief triggered depression that Kosei has, but with him underwater with the music notes and he can't see it anymore. It, like there's no better way to understand exactly what it was trying to portray. So I agree with you, uh, Isabel. I think it is a really good anime to example. And one that I still didn't think of, despite everything. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So, what is your second one, Isabel? Oh, the second one I have. Um, it's actually a sports anime. I, it's one of the shows I didn't expect, uh, but it should be obvious from the title. It's called Clean Freak, Aoyama. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. okay I okay. see where this is going. Okay. Yeah. So, usually in sports anime, I feel like. Haikyuu or Kuroko's Basket, usually the characters are very intense. They're very focused on the game. Uh, but for this one, is they kind of take a more comedic take on it. So Aoyama-kun is kind of uh, is the main character, mm-hmm. and he is a clean freak. So he basically has OCD, like everything needs to be clean, and he refuses to touch any of his classmates. So you're you're very curious as to why he's playing soccer because you know 
Sometimes the soccer field is very dirty. Yeah, there's not that much contact. (laughs) It's not like all sports are dirty. Exactly. Yeah, you're sweating. You're interacting with somebody else, even in the solo sport. So it's very like odd. (laughs) I I remember watching the first episode, thinking to myself like, "This is odd," especially as somebody who is an athlete. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like covered in sweat and grime, and then you have your other teammate or maybe an uh, an opponent going against you. Like that's that's full germ contact right there. Exactly. So it's it's very weird to see that, you know, because, you know, it's a contact sport and, you know, your teammates might be trying to hug you or high five you. And it's the anime is funny because Aoyama literally avoids everything. So. So there's like a lot of comedic scenes where, you know, his friends are end up piling on top of each other because he just dodges them. So he he's like, hey, they're like, hey, good job. And they try to hug him. And then he just like, nope, nope. He nopes his way out of there. (laughs) He does have exceptions, though, so that was interesting. In one of the, you know, in the beginning episodes, he actually make he has actually has a exception. The last five minutes of the game, it's okay for him to get dirty. And wasn't it because he like it's because he knows he can like shower quickly after that or something like that? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So he's like, I can handle five minutes being dirty for a little bit just so we can win the game, because he doesn't like losing. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> what What do you think about this portrayal of OCD being somewhat in a comedic light, I guess? I personally really like it, because it kind of, make, it kind of makes it not something bad, in a sense. I some people see, might see it as a, I see. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, like, see in a bad light. Like, I, I thought maybe his classmates... There's one um, teammate who at first is first tells him why are you so scared of us you know why do you do this well you're just standing there i know it's dirty like why can't you help us get a point right but he doesn't want to move because it's raining and it's muddy right mm-hmm. so i it could have been painted in a bad light but the fact that it's a comedy and they kind of you know have sports on the side it kind of helps and also shows that you can live with someone else who is a germaphobe or something like that work mm. with them and um, also have a support system. I love uh, their coach. She's she literally tells the you know the team players, "Hey, don't do that to Aoyama-kun. Like, be you know mindful of him. That's the reason yeah, why he kept doing it." Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember that now. That's okay. an interesting point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was thinking another positive thing is I I didn't think about it from the context of like. Um, from the fact like, you know, it, it's not a big deal or I mean, I guess it is a big deal, but it's not like a bad big deal, you know, sort of thing. But one thing I was thinking is Aoyama is very popular in school. Like people like him. They want to be friends with him and stuff like that. So it's like so his OCD-ness isn't like an impediment to him at all. And it doesn't keep him from being like socially outcasted or anything like that people still think he's cool and want to be friends with him and stuff like that so i really appreciated that part (laughs) yeah i really appreciate that as well like even though he could have been like an outcast in the school like oh he's weird or something he always wants everything clean Mm -hmm. and he wastes he literally wastes time cleaning soccer balls like after school when he should go home and study or do something else but uh, but yeah, it's so weird that he has like a fan group after him. All the all the girls, uh, you know, like him. It's it feels like uh, that other anime, I'm Sakamoto. I feel like where everyone's oh, obsessed yes. with the character. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, in a way, I think that 
the the OCD-ness in uh, Ayomakun is okay to portray even comically in a manga is because Japan itself as a society is very clean. Oh, uh, it's a society oh, that really that, huh? it's a society that really emphasizes discipline and cleanliness. I mean, we see, you know, you see it all in the high school animes of like students cleaning classrooms, students cleaning like swimming pools. I mean, other Asian cultures too. I believe uh Chinese uh school systems do that as well you know mm-hmm. where people band together to clean things at the school and so the fact that Aoyama I think goes like the extra mile in being super clean it might be seem like kind of weird but everyone's like yeah he's got some dedication I mean you look at all um like uh you see very stereotypically like karate practitioners in Japan or like judo practitioners they're wiping the floors of their dojo every single time before uh um before they start class so to say the least, like it shows that he at least has like some dedication. So people don't see it as weird as compared to maybe the West who sees it as very, very weird because we're very much like, yeah, get exposed to germs means that you won't get sick as often, you know, <laughs> kind of that herd immunity <laughs> kind of thing. So it's a very different type of acceptance. But in a way, like Isabel was saying, it's a good type of acceptance because there are people in the world who are very, very particular OCD. Actually, one of my uncles is very germaphobe. He's very OCD. Oh, um, about oh. it. He will. He used to not not now. He's better now because he has family and everything. He used to try to vacuum the corners of the, his house because of cobwebs. Oh, like that's just, really hard okay. to do. Yeah, that's yeah. Really like hard. he would literally lift up the vacuum hose and like consistently vacuum corners of the house, like ceiling corners. By the way, oh, not even like floor, not co- even floor actual corners, actual ceiling okay, corners okay, 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 for cobwebs. <laughs> that's how OCD and germaphobe that he was. And I remember thinking to myself as a kid, I was like, "Well, this guy, this this guy needs to chill. <laughs> He's not going to hurt you or anything." <laughs> but and but at the end of the day, they're they're normal people. They're not they're not like deranged or anything. They don't need to go see a, a psychiatrist or anything. They're just normal people that just have these quirks, and they're good people too. My uncle's a very nice person. He's very dedicated to his family. Just to to say the least, like I definitely see what kind of angle that they're coming for for Aoyama. Mm-hmm. I really like the fact that you put in or you remind us of the cultural context, too, because you're right, you know, with Japan being probably one of the cleanest countries in the world. Right. Um, oh, absolutely. But, yeah, it's clean. Yeah. So it's like with clean. Japan's like particular choice of cleanliness, it makes sense as to why his his like extreme cleanliness might be a little weird, but ultimately can be seen in a more comedic, positive light. I mean, it should be seen in a positive light, but also in a comedic light as well, because ultimately they're like, yeah, it benefits us, you know, sort of thing. One of um the things I remember the most is, I don't know if you remember this, Isabel, but when they went on like a school trip and they went to like a haunted house and the whole time Aoyama wasn't like paying attention because he kept like sweeping away like the fake cobwebs or like the fake floors (laughs) and stuff like that and so so it was like not even a haunted house for him it was like a cleaning project at the end of the day so Mm -hmm. um but yeah, I think uh, I never thought of Aoyama Kun, but I'm actually glad you picked it because I think people kind of forget about OCD sometimes. Like it's like everyone knows about it, but then people kind of forget about it. And I can't really say if I've seen it in another anime in the same way that I was talking about with the eating disorder, Wonder Egg Priority. So, uh, so that so that was like a really good choice on um, in regards to the mental health uh, topic itself. 
But yeah, so we have a few minutes left. Do we? Uh, do any of us have another last anime they would like to point out? To- uh, I, just, I don't have. I don't yeah. have. But I, at least I don't have an anime that shows good mental health or depiction of it. Or we we, we a, could go all day with positive that life. mental health. So. Yeah, we could go all day with it. I mean, there's a slew of anime that shows like tra- like untreated trauma, uh, paranoias, uh, compulsive disorders, etc., and they're not healthy in the slightest bit. Mm-hmm. Which is unfortunate, but, you know, trying to keep the topic positive, this is why we picked to do the positive portrayals, because who doesn't want to see a good portrayal of, you know, a Right, a health? good portrayal that has, like, a, not a resolvable ending, but something that brings hope to people who do feel this way. Oh, to yeah. To people who mm-hmm. feel like they're alone in the world experiencing all these things, when in reality, you're not alone, and that there, there are ways to help you. Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, well, in that case, uh, I one other anime that I cannot speak for in its entirety because it's too new because it's currently airing. But the one that's caught my eye right now is called uh, Life Lessons with Uramichi Onisan. I, I make a lot of tweets and <laughs> social media posts about it. But essentially, the main character in there is, you know, he's an adult in his 30s who's working for a child show or a children's show. But he has some pretty severe depression and anxiety. Um, and, and it's like this black comedy drama in regards to, in regards to him dealing with his work life and having to be really optimistic and everything around the kids, but then going home and immediately dropping like his smile and being really tired and mentally exhausted and stuff. And I know a lot of people have felt called out by that particular anime, but it is currently airing. So I have my eye out for it is all I'm going to say. Well, in that case, I hope everyone enjoyed us uh, talking about anime that we've seen that has good portrayals of mental health and, um, and you know, understood why we uh, we think these are good portrayals. But please feel free to disagree if that is the case. And yeah, let us know if you have any other anime that you think is also good portrayals of mental health as well. But in regards to this topic, I think we are done for today. So I will see you guys all next week. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.